afternoon. The time is 1 o'clock. You are tuned to WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. Thanks for joining us here for local programming. And it is time for another edition of Farm Talk with Phil Blevins, a program that's been called a modern-day Foxfire. And we've got an interesting topic today and would love to have your questions dealing with livestock pests during the winter. Phil? Thank you, Ivy, and thanks to everyone out there that's listening. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, the weather certainly changed. We've gone from bitter cold to springtime warm today. So, uh, But winter's not over yet. So um, we're going to talk about today something that would be of interest to livestock producers, and hopefully maybe some of those of you that don't have livestock might learn something from this. But uh, with anything we have, we have pests, and certainly livestock are one of those things that has multiple pests. And we're going to talk about some of those external uh, problems that they have and some of those that aren't happening this time of the year, but some that are really are, can be, or usually are a major problem this time of the year if they do if they do show themselves. And so before we get into that, uh, I would like to encourage you that if you have things that you would like to have discussed on this program that you would either let me know or let the radio station know. And if uh, that's something that's within the realm of something I know something about, we'll talk about it. And if you have questions as we go along, you can call into the radio station. Or if you have questions at other times, you can email me at pblevins at vt.edu. And so let's get into what we were going to talk about. We're going to talk about livestock insect control today. And we don't think about that sometimes, but... Uh, they do have insects that bother them, and we're going to really start in the spring weather and summer weather, first of all, to talk about those things that will bother them then, and then we'll move into a problem in the wintertime that livestock face. And flies are one of those springtime and summer things uh, that affect cattle, and none of us like to be bothered by flies. Uh, but we don't think about them costing money, but in the livestock industry, they do cost a considerable amount of money, and we'll talk about two different flies in particular that are problematic for cattle, one of those being the horn fly, another one being the face fly, and they have two different ways of feeding and two different ways they bother cattle, and so it really affects how we deal with that. But those of you that have cattle that might be listening are familiar with these two flies, the horn fly, which we see on the back and the up at the shoulders of the animal, and then the face fly that gets its name from obviously from being on the face of cattle. But horn flies are blood feeders. And so that creates a special problem for cattle. And they really get on the back of the animal where the tail don't reach. Uh, you know, the switch on the cow's tail, they use that to swat flies off of them. Uh, but a cow don't have a tail long enough to swat them off their shoulders. And so they become... A problem for them and you'll see uh, depending on the cow or the animal whether it's cow calf bull whatever you can see different numbers of these things <clears throat> and it seems like that some cattle <clears throat> excuse me or maybe you like people that mosquitoes prefer because you'll see some cattle that'll have a lot higher numbers on them than others but they do feed on the cattle and if you see them you'll see them with uh with their heads pointed down and their abdomen up in the air and they've pierced through the skin of the animal and they're sucking blood out of them. And they eat up to 20 meals a day. And so uh, it really creates a problem. And as I said, they congregate on the shoulder area of cattle. 
Uh, and in, in hot or rainy weather, they can move to the other side of the animal, but they spend their life on the animal, and so that has an impact on how we deal with that. The only time they leave the animal is to lay their eggs in fresh manure that the cattle have left, and it takes about 10 to 20 days for them to go uh, from an egg to an adult, and they actually overwinter in, under manure piles. And so this is one of the things we have to deal with. And so what happens is the female adult will suck blood day and night, and as I said, they leave only to lay their eggs in a manure path that the cattle have left, and she'll only be gone a few seconds to do that. And then those eggs hatch into larvae in one to two days, and they feed and grow in that manure pat for three to five days, and then they pupate for six to eight days in the soil, and then you have an adult emerge, and it's back to the cow. And so they're really a pest because, you know, cattle can stand a, a certain number of them, uh, and, but once you get over about 200 flies per animal, they begin to really cause a big reduction in productivity. Uh, flies up over 300 per animal can cause up to a 30 or 40 percent reduction in productivity of the animal. Uh, the cow, in terms of milk production, if she has a calf on her, and then cattle that are on grass in terms of weight gain as they're grazing, uh, as they're grazing grass. And so, you know, we have to treat for these things if we want to be good stewards of the cattle. We have to do something to try to control them, and we'll talk about how to do that toward the end. But it's actually some poor graduate student somewhere along the line has had to go out and count flies on cattle to determine what the thresholds were as far as what cattle can uh, stand and still be productive. And someone determined that that was 50 flies per side. And so uh, Steelman and others in 1991 estimated that the weaning weights of calves decreased by 8% for every 100 flies on the cow over average over the season. And that's due to reduced milk flow in the cow. And so these things, what cows do to get away from flies, they try to get in the shade and hopefully keep um, hold the numbers down. But if you think of having 200 flies on an animal, that's, that's we can get as high as a 16% reduction. Now, you know, when you're talking percentages, unless they really get big, sometimes we don't think about what that means. But if you have a 500-pound calf that suffered a 16% reduction, that means that calf should have weighed 595 pounds. And at today's prices for five-weight calves, you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 to $300 loss in weight. And so, you know, we can afford to do something about it that we'll talk about here a little later on. A couple other flies that are not such a big problem anymore are what are called heel flies or bomb flies. And some people would refer to them as cattle grubs. And these are kind of odd things. Uh, used to, you saw this a lot more when I was growing up. Uh, you would see cattle running through the fields with their tails stuck up in the air. Uh, up over their back, and that's because heel flies were after them. And what the heel flies do is they lay the eggs on the hair of the animal, and as those eggs hatch, they crawl down the hair through the follicle under the skin, and then over the winter, they migrate through the animal. Uh, uh, some, for example, the uh, northern cattle grub migrates through the spinal area of the animal. And so we have to be careful how we treat if we have that problem, because if we happen to treat it the long time at the wrong time, 
and that grub dies in the spinal region, then you can get inflammation there that can cause some serious problems with cattle. Uh, the common cattle grub would migrate through the gullet area or the neck of the animal. And what they would do, they'd be on the sides of the animal, the eggs hatch, the, the larva crawls under the skin, they migrate up to the back and come out the skin on the back. And it wasn't uncommon when I was young, and those of you who have cattle maybe remember this, to see cattle that if you looked at their back, they had bumps down their back. And if you examined those very closely, you'd find a hole in the skin where the grub was about to emerge. And so it was a, it was a problem then, but it becomes a bigger problem now as we look to more and more things that we can utilize out of the animal. When you leave a hole in the hide, that leaves a scar in the hide. And so uh, hides that were used, are used for furniture or car seats or thing like, things like that, this kind of damage really devalues the product there. Not to mention what it does to the animal as it crawls through the animal because it's not a pleasant thing. Uh, but because since ivermectin has come on the market several years ago and has been used by producers to control internal parasites, we don't see such a big problem with that anymore. But we still recommend anybody that's treating for um, lice, for example, that we'll talk about in just a minute, uh, that they not treat after November the 1st because that's when these uh, grubs would be in those uh, delicate regions like the spine. And so we don't want to kill them then to keep from causing problems in that area. But it's estimated, this is an old estimate, I'm sure it would be a lot higher than this, but it's estimated that the, the lice and grub hide damage were uh, costing two dollars and thirty six cents per slaughter cow, and so that's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big loss industry wide. And so uh, these flies were always active in May through August, and you really don't see much of it anymore. But used to it wasn't uncommon to see cattle running through the field with their tails in the air, uh, trying to get away from these. Face flies, though, are a huge problem. And they get their name because they stay on the face of the animal. And they're really a pest. Uh, and I don't know that you can overemphasize what a pest they are. Um, they feed on the secretions from the eyes. You know, if you can imagine when your eye runs, a fly being there to eat that. Uh, that's what happens with cattle and also around the nasal area. But they have a tongue like a file. If you could think about filing a piece of metal. I mean, this is over oversimplifying it, probably more like a rasp, but if the, ties, if the eye's not watering enough, they'll lick the eye of the calf or the cow. And when they do that, that rasp-like tongue cuts the surface of the eye and causes it to water. And that's a big enough problem because you'll see, you might see an animal standing and there'll be a line of flies down below the corner of the eye, and they're actually feeding on the tears or the secretions from the eye, and if there's not enough there, then they'll lick the eye to make it worse. And one of the problems with them is versus the horn fly, which stays on the animal almost all the time, the face flies just there occasionally. They may fly over to the fence or somewhere to rest and then come back to the animal, so it makes controlling them a little bit harder. And one of the major problems with face flies is they carry pink eye. And if you've ever had pink eye as a person, you know how miserable that is to get essentially a sore on your eye. And with cattle, it's really a big problem uh, because if we don't get on that early treatment with antibiotics to get rid of it, uh, but you can end up with a calf that's blind 
or a calf that has to have an eye removed or something of that nature. And face flies do that, or even if they, sometimes even if the case has been bad enough, even after they heal, uh, it devalues the, the uh, value of that calf because of that, because of the scar in the eye. But as I said, they're a little bit harder to control because they'll feed and then they'll fly the trees or somewhere else in the shade to digest their meal and develop eggs. But just like the horn fly, they lay their eggs in fresh manure. And so uh, both of these, there's differences that we have to do as far as controlling them that we'll get to toward the end. And it's been determined by someone that seven to ten face flies can cause economic damage. And so a population, if you an animal that has 12 to 14 face flies, can cause a decreasing grazing time of about an hour per day. And if cattle aren't grazing, they obviously aren't eating and they aren't gaining weight. And really old figures, you know, almost 50 years old at that time, they estimated that face flies were costing $68 million to the beef industry in the United States. The other thing that they can also transmit is... Uh, is brucellosis or bangs, which is a, um, a disease that can cause cattle to abort. And it's one that there's a lot, been a lot of effort in put into to try to uh, eliminate. They can also uh, transmit a bovine herpes virus called IBR, and which is another uh, disease that causes reproductive problems. And so, you know, when you think about these, sometimes, you know, we get busy. We don't do what we should with our livestock, but these things need to be controlled. And so we'll talk in just a little bit uh, about some things we can control, do to control those. But before we get to that, we want to talk about one that affects cattle this time of the year. And it's really the time of the year we need to be thinking about treating it. Uh, but uh, before we do that, let's take a break. You are tuned to Farm Talk with Phil Blevins, Agricultural Extension Agent for Washington County. If you have any questions about dealing with livestock pests or most any agricultural question, you may email Phil at pblevins at vt.edu. Or you can also give us a call at the radio station 276-944-6933. Sustain Abingdon presents the annual Randy Smith Seed Swap on January 27th from 1 until 4 p.m. at the Washington County Public Library in Abingdon. Why swap? Cultivate all, from rare heirloom varieties to basic thrift, and you spread biodiversity. Save money, control your food supply, increase flavor, access varieties, help pollinators, and rescue rare seeds. Virginia Highlands Community College Horticulture Coordinator Ben Castile will speak at 1 p.m. and this swap will take place from 2 to 4. For more information or for questions, 276-645-2374. Blue Hills Community Market in Abingdon, Virginia is a health and artisan food center that brings customers local, natural, and handcrafted foods within a shopping environment that focuses on community. Blue Hills features local produce, dairy, and meats, as well as a wide selection of bulk foods, herbs, coffees, teas, regionally canned food items, gourmet food, kitchenwares, bath and body products, supplements, and flowers and plants. Blue Hills Market, ingredients for life. 
Okay, we're back, and so we're talking about livestock pests, particularly really related to beef cattle. And I said we want to talk about one that's a big problem, can be a big problem this time of year, and that's lice. I don't know if you've ever had lice on you or not. That's a terrible question to ask people, isn't it? But I remember when I was a kid one time, I was in in a barn without a shirt on walking around. There was a chicken up on the pole above me flapping its wings. And when I walked outside, it felt like my skin was crawling, and I had bird mites on me, and that wasn't a pleasant experience. They were easy to get rid of, but if you never had that experience, it kind of gives you some empathy for the animal when they have these things on them. And there are different kinds of lice that affect cattle. There's, there are biting lice, cattle biting lice, that you find at the base of the tail, along the shoulders, and the top line of the back. Uh, and then there's the long-nosed cattle louse that affects the dewlap. If you don't know what the dewlap is, that's the skin underneath the neck of the animal, essentially, and the shoulders and the sides of the neck, and then we find those also on the rump of the animal. And then there's the short-nosed cattle louse, and in the wintertime, we find those on the top and sides of the neck, uh, again, on the dewlap along the back, and also at the base, of, if they have horns, at the base of the horns and the tail. And the reason, uh, one of the reasons that we uh, have a problem or notice these or want to do something about it, really, is they can cause several problems. And obviously, they're an irritation to the cattle, which affects productivity in the cattle. Uh, but they can also be a huge problem as far as your uh, facilities go. Because uh, cattle that have these on them, they want to get them off. And so they rub, and you know, you got a 2,000 pound bull rubbing on the post in the barn. He can do a lot of damage. One of the things that one of the things that you notice sometimes if they're very high populations of these on cattle, you're not going to see them necessarily unless you get really close up and inspect. Uh, but you'll see it looks like they have an oily spot on their neck. And that's where they've rubbed and crushed these lice as they were rubbing obviously, and you have the body fluids and blood of the lice that show up in the hair, and it makes them look like a greasy spot on the side of the animal. In the summertime, fortunately, these populations really reduce, and they move to the tips of the ears. And so then when you get into cold weather, they begin to spread out over the animal, and the population begins to increase. Uh, there is a there's one louse that affects cattle called the little blue cattle louse, and they get on the muzzle or around the mouth of, of the animal and also, again, on the dewlap and the neck of mature cattle. But lice spend their entire life on cattle, and they spread from animal to animal by contact. And one of the things that we know is that well-fed cattle uh, tend to have less severe infestations. Cattle that are in uh, nutritional stress or in poor nutritional condition when we get into the wintertime, they tend to have the worst problems. And I have heard of cases on young animals where they had so many lice on them that they actually became anemic and died. So uh, those that would be with those that are blood suckers. Some of them chew on the skin, aren't necessarily blood feeders, um, but they can cause problems. And uh, treating lice is kind of a, you know, something we have to do strategically, because uh, depending on the product we use, obviously if we get rid of the of the adults, or those lice that are actually doing the damage at the time, uh, they are going to have laid eggs in the hair of the animal, 
And so we may treat today and kill the uh, adult lice that are on the animal. Uh, but then you have to get the nits or those eggs that have hatched uh, in about two weeks. And so we have to keep that in mind. They can cause losses in cattle of uh, a third to a half a pound less weight gain per day. Uh, and that would be from blood loss and irritation and other things. They can cause problems like a lower milk production. Uh, if they become anemic, uh, obviously that's a stressor, and so that predisposes cattle to other diseases. And then, uh, really, if they begin to lose hair, which they will as they rub to try to stop the itching or the aggravation of them, if they begin to lose their hair, they really begin to look unthrifty, and that lowers the value of the animal. And as I said earlier, even possibly you could end up in maybe some of those younger animals if the infestation was severe enough of them even dying from anemia. Uh, and then I mentioned the property damage. You know, if you've never been around cattle, those people that have it can tell you that a big animal can do a lot of damage rubbing. Uh, they can tear up a lot of equipment. And so them scrubbing, trying to get these lice off, really causes uh, can cause a big problem. And so, you know, if we think about all these pests that are external enemies of the cow, uh, we need to control them. Or if we're going to be good stewards of these animals, we need to control them. And we don't have time to go out there and pick them off. And obviously the cattle aren't going to let us pick them off. And there are so many flies in the world that uh, we're never going to get rid of them that way. It's not like picking the Colorado potato beetles off the potatoes. So it's a bigger challenge than that. And so we're going to have to turn to some type of insecticidal product to get it. And there's lots of ways to get that done. You know, one of the best ways is if we have something, <clears throat> if we have something, excuse me, that we can have in place that on a regular basis the cattle come in contact with to keep these things under control. Uh, a lot of the products that we use, matter of fact, most of the products that we would use to control flies or lice are not long-lasting in the environment. And so we may treat, uh, for example, we may treat flies uh, today and then two weeks later they've got another infestation on them. And so we have to keep that in mind. And so there's a number of things that can be used. Uh, one of the things that's been used for years is dust bags where cattle have to uh, walk under those dust bags and they treat themselves as they walk under to keep these off. And so, you know, if you're going to do that, if you're going to treat uh, animals that way, those dust bags, first of all, they have to be in a position or in some location where the cattle have to walk through. Uh, it's unlikely if you just hang them out in the middle of the field that the cattle are ever going to go there. But if you put them in an area, for example, in a gate where they have to go through to go to water, uh, then they can be treated on a regular basis. But they've got to hang down about four to six inches below the top line of the cattle so that when they go under them, it hits their head, it hits their back, and they get the application of the product that they need. And, and there's lots of products out there that you can use, and you can call the extension office to get an idea of that. Uh, some of those work both for flies and for lice. Um, another thing is uh, if we're using a liquid product to control it would be back rubbers and face rubbers. And it's the same thing. You have to place them strategically so the cattle have to come in contact with them. And most of those products have to be mixed either with mineral oil or number two diesel oil. Uh, to uh, be able to stick to the animal and do the job like they should. 
never use motor oil or waste oil. That's not a good idea. I know many, many years ago, people would treat dogs that had the mange with motor, burnt motor oil, and that's really not a good idea. Um, but these things have to be recharged regularly so that the, the product that's there is actually going to work. And they do a good job. And, and there's several things that we can use that are similar to a, a, a long rope back rubber that people would go through. But uh, livestock producers are f- familiar with the bullets that actually are a stuffed piece of cotton or, or fabric, I should say, that hangs down that we can charge with a insecticide where cattle have to go to the mineral feeder or whatever and move that around with their head. And it treats them against the flies that would be on their face. Uh, and those that would rub down their back uh, will help us with those horn flies and things that are on the back. But as I said, those devices have to be checked uh, weekly and recharged if necessary if we're going to be successful in using them. And there's the types of these things that can be put on mineral feeders or uh, around areas where cattle tend to congregate to help us get that accomplished. You know, if we, if we have the energy to do this and the labor to do it, something else we can do is actually get the cattle up and spray them. And there are products made to do that so that uh, we can kill the flies and the lice that would be on them. There are also uh, porons that we can use. And this is where we get into some things that are maybe a little longer acting. If you're, if you're thinking of products like ivermectin, uh, which is sold as ivermectin, there's lots of generic products that have ivermectin in them now. You have some of those uh, products like Dectamax and Cydectin that give us actually some residual control of uh, things like lice, where maybe we don't have to go back in two weeks with them. Uh, But one of the things that we've said about treating lice for years is that's something that we ought to think about on New Year's Day. Now, we're a little bit behind that now, but it's not late to do that or too late to do that. Some of the other products that we would deal with that have permethrin or a pyrethroid-type product in it are not going to last that long, and so we're going to have to come back and retreat products like D-Lice or Sabre or some of those. We'd have to come back and retreat uh, regularly uh, to control flies and at least twice to get rid of the lice to control the adults and the nits. One of the things that has been developed in the past couple of decades or so is ear tags that we can put in cattle that will actually help us control flies. And so there are different classes of those in terms of insecticide classes, and we need to rotate those because in any population of anything, whether it's a disease or an insect or whatever it is, there are going to be resistant individuals to any product we use. And if we use the same product over and over and over, we end up with a resistant population. And really, we're wasting our time. The ear tag's not really getting anything done then. So we need to either use rotate classes of insecticides that are in that, or we need to uh, use combination classes where you have two classes of insecticide in one tag to overcome that resistance problem. And with flies, as we come up on spring, you really don't want to tag your cattle till you get up into fly season. Tagging them in February or early March, that may be when we work the cattle, getting ready them to turn out, but those tags are only going to work about three or four months, and putting them in that early, uh, they're going to lose their power toward the end of the season. Uh, We need to tag those yearlings and bulls and cows, not necessarily the calves, and... uh, 
be sure, again, that we do uh, rotate. And be sure that in any of these products that you read the label on the product because it is a registered product. It's a pesticide product. And you have to pay attention to what the label says for it to work like it should. And there are slaughter withdrawal times on some of these products and lactating animal restrictions. So you really need to pay attention to that. So if you have questions on this topic or anything associated with this or with the names of products that are out there that are available to control these kinds of problems, you know, contact your extension office wherever you are, and they'll be glad to help you with those things. And so... Thank you for being with us today, and I hope this was helpful to somebody out there or interesting to others. So, Well, thank you, Phil, and don't hesitate to email your questions to Phil, pblevins at vt.edu, and you can always call the radio station, and we'll get your questions to him. It's 276-944-6933, and be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 1 o'clock for another edition of Farm Talk. Let us know if there's a topic you want Phil to discuss. This is WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise.